Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Florida students head back to school amid a massive COVID-19 surge. The state's education commissioner threatens school leaders with salary cuts if they require masks and more sniping between the governor's office and the Biden administration. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor, Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter, John Kennedy. But first. That music means it's time for some numbers. John, do you have a number for us today? Yeah, Zach, uh, this week I'm bringing back the 60s. It's not going to be the Summer of Love or Woodstock or any of that, but but I am here with a 63 that I'll tell you more about later. All right. John rolled into the office in a tie-dye shirt today. My my number is uh, 13 billion. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, Florida school year kicks off amid another COVID-19 surge and another debate about safety in the classroom. Last year, some questioned whether schools should open at all, and Governor Ron DeSantis stepped in to make sure that they did open. That left schools scrambling to implement safety measures such as distancing, plexiglass barriers, and masks. The governor's decision to keep schools open is now widely embraced, and he's moved on to another battle, fighting against mask mandates in the classroom. Many school districts opened this year without mask requirements, but some are fighting the governor and requiring masks. John, another year, another contentious start to school. The governor's supporters believe he'll be vindicated again on the mask issue. What about, What do you think? Yeah, it's very hard to say at this point. Uh, you know, Florida earlier this week had 172 children being treated in medical facilities for COVID-19. That was the most of any state. And uh, this week in many counties around Florida, the the 1.6 million school children under the age of 12 who aren't eligible to be vaccinated, they began trooping back to the classrooms, uh, you know, indoor and kind of crowded around the state. Uh, Masks must be optional, according to the governor. So, uh, you know, how will that work out? Uh, DeSantis and the the, the general public may get lucky and avoid significant outbreaks among an unvaccinated children. And, uh, you know, they, they may avoid these children carrying any virus home with them, uh, possibly to sicken parents or other family members, you know, many, maybe many of them unvaccinated as well. Um, or, you know, you have a worst case scenario where there's a, a major outbreak in a community among kids in school. And uh, they may get very, very sick or, or worse. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of that right now in Marietta, Georgia, where some schools are going back to virtual classes after a COVID outbreak occurred in the in the first couple of weeks since they opened. Uh, if that happens here, that is not going to reflect well on the governor's decision making, which has been designed primarily to prevent required mask wearing rather than any steps aimed at blunting the spread of this deadly disease, which now is even deadlier with the the, the Delta variant. So we're, we're seeing signs that the conflict of masks uh, may be taking a, a toll on DeSantis. Uh, recently, there was a poll that showed his, his approval ratings have gone underwater with his job performance opposed by 49% of Floridians compared to uh, 44% who support how he's doing. And the polls that I've seen at least the national polls indicate that uh, there is support for masks in schools. So the majority of people 
do support this. Why why do you think the governor is taking such a strong position on this? Yeah, it, it looks like he's you know playing to a minority in this case uh, because yeah, the the, the same poll that uh, I was citing uh, for the for Florida showed that more than sixty uh, percent of Floridians like the idea of mandatory masks in school. So you know, DeSantis is really playing a, a high stakes gamble with this stand against counties requiring masks, and he does seem to be going as you point out going against the 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 popular sentiment but uh so much of this is uh trying to protect that that what seems to be a minority of people that uh really vigorously oppose masks um but you know he, he the, the gamble that he's playing is with people's health and his own political standing and he did the same thing last year you know and that's one thing that i saw his press secretary uh, tweeted something out this week uh, at the start of school on on Tuesday, where she was uh, mentioning some of the headlines from last year about some of the dire predictions about schools reopening, and and uh, you know it, it didn't go perfectly, but it it uh, in hindsight, I think there's sort of a pretty broad consensus that. Um, it was good to have the schools open, uh, to have in-person learning, um, and uh, there's there's obviously now pretty much bipartisan approval for getting the schools open. So she she kind of seemed to be drawing a parallel there with this year and some of the criticism that the governor's getting about masks this year. Um, it, it does seem like there's some big differences. I mean, last year masks were required in most schools, so that might have been one of the reasons that that uh, the reopening um, went okay. And uh, you have the Delta variant this year, which is much more contagious. Is he kind of using an old playbook for what? Even though the scenario has has changed a lot. Yeah, it does seem like that. And uh, you know, l last year too, we still had a very large you know virtual component as well for many uh, schools. So, right. If uh, kids were out of school, if they had to quarantine, they could do virtual. Now there's a big question about if you're if a bunch of kids are out of school, what are they going to be doing? How are they going to be learning? Right. Yeah. They're going to have to enroll in Florida virtual school, which is a, you know, a larger statewide school as opposed to having any, you know, their, their own uh, teacher working with them on on classes. So it's a it's a little bit of a different scenario. And indeed, you know, it's one of those things where we can't predict the future. We don't know how it's going to go. Last year, DeSantis couldn't predict it either. However, he rolled the dice then and, uh, you know, pushed children back into classrooms where, yes, it more or less worked out. Maybe that's the situation we're going to be in this time. But uh, all we're talking about are trying to take some precautions here when it comes to mandatory masking, it seems like. But uh, that, that that's the, those are fighting words to Governor uh, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting because it's not like this is something kids haven't done before. They uh, Most school districts did it all last year. So um, they basically would only be doing what they already had done. Well, DeSantis has taken a very firm position on this, so so firm that he's out there. Uh, his his education secretary, Richard Corcoran, has has threatened to cut the salaries of uh, school districts that defy the governor. Um, you know, the the uh, education secretary was sending letters, I, I believe, to Leon County and Alachua County, who had said that they were going to require masks at the start of the school year. I think Broward County also. Um, you know, John, what do you make of this? Uh, at first, the governor in his executive order uh, made it sound like he would cut all the state funding, not necessarily cut it all, but that all this all the, the state funding for the districts was on the line. He's kind of, you know, they, they've kind of targeted that just to school officials and their salaries. 
is this a retreat? I mean, this has gotten a lot of attention that he's trying to cut their salaries. It does seem like it's kind of a retreat. It also seems like a pretty unusual step to take, though, to to uh, threaten school officials with losing their their salaries. Well, like, like a lot of this pandemic and uh, now with these mask limits, it seems that DeSantis's office uh, is just making it up as they go along. Um, they issued an executive order that clearly states that funding can be withheld from districts. But now they're saying, no, they never they never did do that. No. Uh, that they would, would, would they they wouldn't dock pay of uh, of, of you know, or, or they wouldn't dock uh, the, the amount of money flowing to a district that could obviously have an impact in, in classroom funding and teacher pay. Instead, they're just going to dock the pay of the school superintendents or the school board members that try to enforce mask mandates. You know th that's not specifically mentioned in the order, of course, and it's a question whether they really have any control over money that goes directly to pay. Uh, again. And that seems to be a, a county budget action primarily, not really the state. Um, you, you know, remember when when DeSantis held his first news conference announcing no mask mandates, he made it seem like they wouldn't be in place at all. That's when the Board of Education later enacted a rule that said basically that if you don't like the mask mandate in your county, you could transfer schools and be financed by a hope scholarship that's usually given to kids that are bullied or harassed. And then along with that, the state's health department also under his control, um, it came up with the provision that an opt out must be allowed in any county that did attempt to enforce a mask mandate. So in those actions, they seem to be almost acknowledging that mask mandates are going to be existing. And, uh, you know, despite what the governor says, and uh, now, you know, here he is, it's, it's about pulling pay. Um, you know, it, it has had an effect, I guess. Leon County refined its mask requirement uh, giving kids an option to not wear one, but uh, other counties, uh, notably uh, Alachua, uh, Broward, Hillsborough, and Duval, uh, they, they seem to be mostly sticking with mask requirements for most students, uh, but indeed giving an opt-out option for those who insist on one. But, it, you know, the, the, the messaging seems to be one where you're going to have an overwhelming number of students wearing the masks as opposed to opting out. It's a little bit of a pain in the neck to try to opt out. Um, but, you know, all, all told, it's an amazing amount of energy that's being put into this issue over the past two weeks. Uh, but not a lot of energy being put into steps that might uh, alleviate this, uh, th this eye-catching number of COVID cases and hospitalizations that are going around around Florida. Is it a good look for the governor to be threatening to, to cut the salaries of school board members? I've heard, and superintendents, I've heard some come out and say, well, I didn't get in this for the money. It's not like school board members are even paid that much, but um, I think a lot of them just do it because they're they're interested in in um, you know being involved in education and uh, I, I just I wonder if if this is setting up some of these people to be kind of martyrs I mean if they're saying well I'm willing to have my salary cut to you know if it means uh, protecting kids health I mean uh, what what do you think Yeah I mean there is like sort of a hero moment for these superintendents and school board members uh, if they if they stand up to the governor I guess and uh, go along with what as we were saying polls would indicate maybe a majority of parents like uh, the idea of the mask mandates, uh, or they're not clearly as worked up about it as some of those that DeSantis is, uh, is appealing to right now, his base, his political base. Um, I guess that political base will will cheer him on 
when he's uh, docking the pay of uh, superintendents that defied him. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, is it a political winner for him? Uh, that, that's kind of a question right now. Uh, when you look across, you, you know, obviously he's going to be up for election next year, whether this is still a, a live issue or story uh it seems kind of doubtful, but it's going to be part of people's uh, general uh, mosaic when they consider who they're going to vote for next year. The governor has not really w- maybe won a lot of Floridians over with this uh, really uh, you know, combative stance against masks. And a lot of this might depend on how many kids really, really get sick. The governor has, has repeatedly said that this, you know, that, you know, children in general, and, and, and it seems to be true based on all the medical information that's been put out there is that kids are less likely to get um you know really sick from from covid so he seems to be banking on the idea that okay maybe you know we'll have some infections but it's not going to be a a dire circumstance for for these kids but um you know i saw uh you know there are there are kids who are in the icu with covid um and i saw somebody tweeted i haven't looked into this but that there was a lawsuit potentially filed by some kids uh the families of kids with disabilities uh who may be more vulnerable if you have underlying conditions um against the governor's uh trying to overturn the governor's order against mass mandates so there are there are kids who could be more vulnerable to this and um you know it, it's a, a pretty high stakes game here well the hands-off approach to covid 19 safety measures pushed by desantis has attracted the attention of the white house president joe biden and his press secretary repeatedly have taken shots at the governor's management of the pandemic and desantis has been happy to fire back the latest salvo came this week when white house press secretary jen Psaki was asked to respond to a new york post headline stating quote Team Biden's war on DeSantis is all about kneecapping a successful GOP governor. Pisaki responded that, quote, our war is not on DeSantis, it's on the virus, which we're trying to kneecap. He does not seem to want to participate in that effort. John, uh, quite a bit of, of sniping here between DeSantis and the Biden administration. Uh, the uh, Biden really seems to be setting DeSantis up as sort of uh, a foil, uh, sort of the antithesis of his approach to the, the pandemic. Are we getting a bit of a preview of the 2024 presidential race, potentially? I know. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Uh, you know, there are questions over both of these politicians. Uh, you know, Biden about whether he really will run again, although he said he would back in March. And uh, DeSantis, if he really won't have uh, Donald Trump running again in 2024, and if the Florida governor can really you know, make good on all his uh, early promise here when it comes to uh, his popularity among uh, conservatives nationwide. But but uh, yeah, it, there does seem to be a focus of the Biden White House right now and uh, Press Secretary uh, Saki's uh, willingness to single out DeSantis so readily that that makes it clear that Democrats nationally are well aware of DeSantis's ambitions and uh, the growing notice on the mostly conservative wing of the Republican Party that he's getting. And, uh, you know, for DeSantis, uh, poking his finger at Joe Biden is a good way to keep getting the attention of this arch conservative base that that loved Trump and is watching Fox News and is uh, angered over the president's struggle to contain the, the flow of migrants at the southern border and his uh, being blamed for crime in Chicago and for getting infrastructure and budget bills passed that, you know, they, they, they seem to think is only going to add to the nation's uh, debt load. So uh, DeSantis is going to pick his fights with Biden as frequently as possible. And uh, remember, you know, when they when they sat down at a table together and were very congenial only about six weeks ago after the uh, Surfside disaster. Well, 
you know, I, I guess that's looking like something for the history books now as well. Yeah, it, it, it does this. I mean, it, it seems to me like this helps DeSantis in some ways, at least with with Republicans. I mean, if if uh, DeSantis is, is seen as the chief antagonist to Biden, um, it, it might help coalesce some support around him and make him even more of um, of a front runner for you know a, a future presidential race. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's getting, you know, massive headlines around the country right now as sort of the symbol of a, of a governor standing up to, uh, you know, conventional wisdom and uh, CDC guidelines and, uh, you know, the American Pediatric Association, all these <laughs> all these organizations that are being villainized by the right. So uh, I guess uh, I guess DeSantis becomes sort of the the, the guy who is uh, willing to, to, to buck convention here. And uh, that that plays well with that uh, political base that, um, you know, already was was drawn to DeSantis. Uh, now, I think uh, the, the more he stands up to Biden, the better for DeSantis. Yeah, it may help it with the GOP base, but whether it helps him overall is a, is a big question mark. Uh, well, we'll move on to some numbers here. John, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, Zach, Mike, 63. That's the, the percentage of Florida voters who in 2010 voted in support of a pair of constitutional amendments, amendments five and six, that were called the so-called fair districts amendments. We're going to start hearing a lot about these amendments in the coming year because congressional and legislative redistricting is soon to start. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, today, as we record this, the, the first set of data from the U.S. Census is being released that will help shape the redrawing of district boundaries for members of Congress in the State House and Senate in Florida and many other states. But the uh, the voter-approved Fair Districts in Florida uh, amendments uh, makes this state somewhat unique because Fair Districts specifically outlaws deliberate political gerrymandering in Florida, something that has been uh, part of redistricting since at least the earliest days of this republic. Uh, Massachusetts Governor Elbridge, I think he was actually pronounced Gary, Elbridge Gary has been linked to this uh, creation of oddly shaped maps to achieve overly partisan goals. Uh, he, he, he was involved in this back in the early 1800s and hence the name gerrymandering. But, um, you know, no such thing is supposed to happen in Florida. But the ruling Republican Party in the state is uh, likely to tr tread as close to it as possible when they start putting together new political boundary maps uh, this fall when they return to the Capitol for hearings and bans that, that will be basically in advance of the, the January legislative session when the uh, map making will really get fierce. Um, Republicans have overwhelming control of the legislature and the congressional delegation uh, in, in Florida, even with the current boundaries. But with the uh, Democratic control of Congress subject to, you know, really just a, a five seat swing could uh, cost Democrats control of the U.S. House. Uh, Florida Republicans are really going to be under pressure from national Republican leaders to do their part to make congressional boundaries more favorable to the party. So, um, you know, will they remember history? Those 63% uh, of Florida voters who more than a decade ago agreed that districts should be drawn without favoring incumbents or a particular political party. Um, it didn't work the last time. 
uh, that it, it resulted in four years of lawsuits and uh, eleven million dollars in taxpayer money being spent to defend congressional and state senate maps that were eventually overturned by the courts and ultimately replaced with maps drawn by some of the same voter organizations like Common Cause and the League of Women Voters who had supported the fair districts congressional uh, constitutional amendments. So um, we're, we're going to be hearing a lot about the wishes of that 63% uh, in, in coming months as this starts unfolding. Yeah, it's, it's hard to overstate what a big deal this is. It uh, has huge political consequences. So um, start your engines. It's uh, getting going here and we'll see where it ends up. Well, my number is 13 billion. That's how much money Florida would receive for highway construction under the bipartisan infrastructure bill that cleared the U.S. Senate this week. Florida also would receive 2.6 billion for public transportation, 245 million for bridge replacement projects, 198 million to expand electric vehicle charging stations, and 100 million to expand broadband internet access. The infrastructure bill is a major bipartisan achievement, and it cleared the Senate by a vote of 69 to 30, with 19 Republicans supporting the measure and all 50 Democrats. But Florida's two Republican senators voted against the measure. Both Rick Scott and Marco Rubio complained it would increase the national debt. Rubio also said the bill was, quote, negotiated in secret and rushed through the process. But looming over both votes is former President Donald Trump, who has slammed the legislation, largely, it seems, because he doesn't want to give Joe Biden a victory. Ambitious Republicans are wary of crossing Trump and his base, and both Rubio and Scott may want to run for president. So both were down on the infrastructure bill that would bring billions to Florida that wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. And thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.